0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tell Us What's in the Box. What's
1: in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? I am so excited for this episode. Yeah, the box. <laughs> we are doing, this is our part two,
0: the second part of our <laughs> first two-parter that we have done on Lizzy's story. Um, the Apple Plus miniseries based off the Stephen King novel. And the screenplay was also penned by King himself. He penned all eight episodes. So that's a thing. That oh, makes
1: sense why it's so good. <laughs> that's a thing. Aside from everything else. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs>
0: um, and so the last four episodes are The Good Brother, Now You Must Be Still, No Light, No Spark, and Lazy Story so I mean I got texts and messages and things like that saying oh my god when you get to these from Joanna <laughs> so um yeah so I mean what what should we start with what should we start with here when last we left
1: yeah um, let's had gotten a gotten, recap uh, yeah
0: beat to shit <laughs> she'd gotten yeah. beat to shit by Dooley um -hmm. and you know she had contemplated and looked looked like she was going to booyah moon Mm -hmm. uh when we left episode four at the end the midpoint so in episode five she does indeed go to booyah moon to um renew herself to heal herself as the water does and everything like that um Yeah. So what should we start with? What, what developed here? What, I mean.
1: Oh, I mean, a lot of like deepening relationships. Like we learn a lot more about, um, what's his face? Oh my God. Why am I blanking out on the husband's name? Scott? Uh, Scott. Yeah. Scott Scott, Scott Landon. Dear God. Um, we learn, a lot more about his childhood. We see him being very vulnerable with Lisi and telling her kind of everything of what's going on. Um, We figure out a lot more stuff about why Amanda is stuck in Booyah Moon. Um, Stuff comes together with Dooley. There's a lot of revenge. And um, if you haven't watched the series yet or you've only watched episodes one through four episode five and on is where like everything just picks up so fast like the the like the pace of it is just and you're just on the edge of your seat the entire time you know I felt so engrossed in the action and the storytelling um especially all of the flashback parts with Scott and his brother, Paul, and their dad Mm when they, when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I think relationship wise, not only did I really appreciate like how, how, how we got to see how deep um, Lisey's and Scott's marriage like went, but also how deep of a relationship Scott had with his brother, Paul and his dad. Yeah. And the family family dynamic and everything really, really heavy stuff. That's a good place to start because so much revolves around the
0: relationship that um, Scott had with Paul and his father, yeah. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Now, first of all, I had looked up the cast and I knew Michael Pitt was in this. If you don't know who Michael Pitt is, everybody, he was in um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. He played uh, Tommy Gnosis. He was in Murder by Numbers with Sandra Bullock. Um, he was one of the killers like Michael Pitt it's really underestimated mm-hmm. and he's been on the indie scene and I will tell you I was looking for him and looking for him and looking for him and I even saw the name of the character Al and Andrew Langdon is how they put it and yeah. I didn't realize it was him playing the father Dude, he's so he was so good role. He was so good. It was him playing the father the whole time. Michael Pitt is vastly underrated. I enjoyed his performance, but let's talk about the father. What what is going on with the father? What is it? Do you think he loves his children as he says? Do you think he's just got these delusions? What's what's happening there?
1: Well I think we think clearly they're not delusions right like we know the good or the um or like the gone and the bad and booyah moon and the long boy and the land and curse you know um all this terminology you know like being being an anchor and things and things like that um this is like in their blood this is their world and Andrew Langdon is definitely, like, we get in in the first half of the miniseries, we definitely get he is trying to not only impart this knowledge on his sons, but also try to do the best that he can to (laughs) raise them and keep them safe knowing that this supernatural curse hangs over the family and he you know you can see it happening Mm -hmm. to his to his children um it's i mean by the very definition of how he treats them like he is a child abuser like Mm -hmm. through and through right um Yet I found myself like not changing my opinion on that, not questioning that. But when we get what I think it was episode five or six, when we actually see the bad and Paul come out yeah. through force mm-hmm. and we see him physically change, then it's like, Oh, I don't feel so bad for Paul being chained up to the tractor outside for like mm-hmm. days on end, weeks, weeks.
0: Because Scott said it oh was three weeks, three weeks,
1: yeah. Three weeks, it was, yeah. Three weeks Scott said, and he was like, Holy, yeah,
0: <laughs> as anyone would be. She's he's he's telling her this stuff on their yeah. honeymoon. This is like when he kind of divests himself of that story, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah,
1: three weeks yeah few weeks and i mean like the dad like andrew killing paul like when the bad had completely took over and changed him into this like what like undead zombie kind of looking creature right like he like andrew he even hesitated to shoot paul yeah he hesitated and then after he shot paul he was not the same mm-hmm. he you know and he created that bull hunt for scott and then yeah. the end it's a very the very last end prize yeah, yeah yeah the end prize was supposed to be andrew like sticking the gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger and scott is supposed to find find his uh, body but yeah, you what know prize. scott is yeah but but he um he can't he can't go through with it um he can't traumatize his his kid like that right (laughs) um he has i mean on top of everything else i'm sure there's mental illness that's working with there and i mean he's clearly still not over the death of of his wife um he you know andrew refuses to go to work uh the I guess the his manager the he has me and his yeah his boss comes by and tries to you know tell scott like hey no we really need need your 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 dad back you know andrew had just like checked out but this is you know to go back to your original question of does Andrew love his kids? I say absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a fucked up kind of love. Yeah. But there's a lot of us who know that fucked up kind of love. Yeah. Um. And, and Scott you know. even says that to Lisey. He says something yeah. like,
0: uh, it was brutal love. It was, I forget how he describes it, but he says a couple yeah. of those things. And then he says, but it was true. Yeah. You know, so... Whatever he felt, whatever you think about what he did, which was wrong, all the things he did to his sons and things like that, you know, it's abuse. You at least get the impression that he believed it was the right thing. It wasn't out yeah. of psychopathy or yeah, uh, whatever. It was because he felt that was the right thing because he felt mm-hmm. that that's what he should do. It doesn't make it right. It just he legitimately felt that this was this was what he should do and stuff so thinking about you know Stephen King talks about a lot of things in his books by the way did we see the castle castle rock lighthouse
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) like oh
0: castle rock Mm -hmm. cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway I thought that was I was like "Ah, yeah yeah I, I get it (laughs) <laughs> uh, um, yeah, um, but if if Stephen King does a lot of you know the supernatural things like Booyah Moon and the pool and and stuff like that are metaphors often. Like he makes them real mm-hmm. in his books. You know that they, they all do exist, and Booyah Moon exists, and you can go there and you can yeah. do these things. But they're metaphors. They're metaphors for real, real things. Um, And in this case, mental illness. Yeah. Being a cutter, being um, catatonic. You know, his family, you know, what his dad called the Langdon curse was essentially, you know, the family has this mental illness history. You know, mental illness oftentimes is genetic often it runs in families so they had a history of either breaking and being suicidal and homicidal or catatonic you know that's why he called the bad and the gone the gone being yeah who just go catatonic and yeah whatever and the bad being like paul being homicidal being aggressive being uh you know Mm -hmm. dangerous and stuff like that that's what they're dealing with in a sense and of course he created this this, you know, metaphor of, you know, in the world of Booyah Moon and everything like that, like the people there are broken and that's where they go. And all the descriptions that Scott and Amanda use for Booyah Moon, and that, you know, it's beautiful there. It allows these experiences that he then writes down that he gets you know, all these accolades for any, and we do get lots of instances where what he writes because he goes to Booyah Moon, because he has mental illness, like just, just take out the, just take out the Booyah Moon part Mm -hmm. because he has mental illness. What he writes helps people. You know, the paramedic says it at one point, you know, his books helped me through a rough time in my life. I reread relics five times. Even the people that, you know, went off the deep end, like the guy who shot him and Jim Dooley. Yeah. That reasoning is because they also have mental illness and they were looking for understanding, you know, And, and, and because Scott had that, That's what they saw in his work when they read it. And of course, the Cole guy thought he was stealing from him. Like, how dare you get in my brain and take all these problems I have and put them on the page, not realizing that other people can have you. Like, you aren't alone. Yeah. You have other people while other people like, You know Jim Dooley put him on a pedestal, you know, yeah, and and stuff like that. And and of course we know Stephen King probably has had never had any experiences like this in his in his many goddamn years Uh, of writing because you know, and people are like, oh, he always writes about writers, but but it's because that's what. He knows. He knows that. Yeah. He knows that. And and yes, writers don't always write about writers because that's what he knows. But the thing is, is the reason he does that is because that's what interests him. Where yeah. do the things, why, why does who we are become who we are? Why are we yeah. like the way we are? Getting deep into it, where do my ideas come from? Why <laughs> does what I write speak to people like this where does interest in why our brains work the way they work you know writers get interested in different things and Stephen King's major ability I know I'm going on and on and on but I warned you that if we were going to talk about Stephen (laughs) King that this was going to be a thing good but Stephen King's uh, the best aspects of his work in my opinion is that he knows people The people that he writes are fucking real. They're real, you know? Yeah. That's what people respond to. The inner voice that he has when you're reading his stuff from the character's point of view, it is so intimate. That's the only way I can put it. It's like the character is right next to your ear telling you their story in such a way that it almost feels like you're violating them in some cases of some of the stuff that he, that I've read. Yeah. That's his strength. You know, some people it's plot, epic world building this, that, and the other thing, but with King, it is this knowledge and intimacies of the dark things that people have in their brains, the way people think and the places their brains go And so his work as a writer and why he writes writers in his work is for that reason, I think. And that's what we get to see here. Yeah. When they talk about Booyah Moon, when Amanda and Scott talk about Booyah Moon as being both terrifying and scary and dangerous, but also a blessing,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but also beautiful and renewing and healing, Just take out the fact that it really exists and it literally heals you and think about that from a writer perspective. Think about that, that you're a writer sitting down and you have mental illness. You've had problems in your life and you're a writer and you're sitting down and you are putting it on the page and you are facing the things that scare you, especially as a horror writer. you are facing those things Inside of you and putting them on the page and ripping those things open, you're facing your depression. You're facing the bad words that pe- that your brain tells you about mm-hmm. yourself, that you're shit, that you don't mean anything, that you're worthless, all of that stuff. And you're taking it and you're ripping it out and you're putting it on the page. And that is scary and that is dangerous and that is terrifying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then when you get it out in the world and then someone turns to you and says, or writes to you or tells you, I understand, I felt that, I felt like I wasn't alone. That's the gift.
1: Yeah. That gift of understanding, empathy, connection. Yeah. 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 And that's to wrap it back to like um, Scott and Lisi that's their whole marriage i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: like that is why their bond was just basically unshakable because and i think i don't remember uh, i think she i think um alicia also said this in like the first half but it kept coming up again in the second half like her and scott like weren't just married but they were fucking partners. They were teammates. Like they supported each other no matter what it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I love the um the end. Um when uh, there was that little voiceover of some somebody asking, oh, did Scott ever write a book for for you? Cause it was established that he never did um dedicate one. You know, like for. in yeah, he never dedicated in the acknowledgments or, or anything. And the reason why they did that was, was, was because, you know, for him being such a public facing figure, they needed to keep their marriage private, you know, otherwise it would absolutely crumble. And yeah, Lizzie said she knew. asked him
0: to do that.
1: She yeah. said, yeah, I asked him to
0: because with all that famous bullshit, yeah, exactly, that yeah. he needed, you know, it was ourselves. Yeah, yeah
1: we- but Scott, like she she also said um, every book was for her. Scott wrote every book for her. And I think having Lisi in his life, like I don't want to go as far to say she was a muse, but she opened up something inside of Scott that made him feel emotionally safe mm-hmm. and she gave him the strength to be able to do all of this work mm-hmm. and she you know, was his anchor as he said you know yeah. and, and you get the
0: impression that he was doing what he was doing but he did it because lazy was there yeah to bring him back to keep him grounded and if you look at it as a metaphor for mental illness you know that person who's there for you to make sure you take your meds to make sure you don't get hyper fixated on stuff to make sure that you're eating to make sure you got your doctor's appointments and stuff like that. That's what Lizzie was for Scott. And that is an invaluable position. That's an invaluable worth to have in somebody's life. You know, he said he would have been lost without her to do that, to be his anchor, to keep him in that world is what he said in the last episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And That's it. And I spoke about it last time as someone who, you know, has a partner who deals with mental illness Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's a position I'm, I'm well versed in. And so you see it and then people dismiss the partnership that you have because, you know, he's the one that goes out and makes the money. Right. You know, but where, you know, but without the partnership, you know, you, you make up for each other, you know, you keep each yeah. other going and whatever. So, so, so who does, what doesn't matter as long as you're there and you're a team and that's what works, you know? Yeah. And that's what Scott and Lizy had. And that's what I mentioned last time that Jim Dooley didn't understand he just thought, you know, you just slept with him, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You didn't do anything. It was all him. But without Lisi. Yeah. He would have been lost. He probably would have committed suicide or overdosed or, or you know, been catatonic or whatever.
1: And then these amazing creations, you know, God's gift to the world according to fucking Jim Dooley. Yeah. Like, works of art would not exist right fuck you jim dooley <laughs> i'm happy you are dead <laughs> booyah he didn't get there. it that's what happened in the book too <laughs> yeah i told you i, was I asked him and i was he like well didn't get right in right in over it? it
0: and you're like i'm not telling you i'm like well that's what happened in the book <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think you totally missed my pun that I just snuck in there as well that I told you that I was gonna make okay I'll let you say it again what is it
0: properly grown
1: yeah so like I can't tell you how excited I was when Lisi like took Dooley to Booyah Moon and like had the long boy like kill him and absorb him into his body basically. I like looked at the screen. I was so happy that Jim Dooley was dead. I was like, booyah!
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> really? Okay. all right. <laughs> <sighs> there we go. That's the reaction I wanted. Okay, yeah, good. I know. <laughs> but, uh, Anyways. Yeah, um
0: you know, so yeah, I mean, I I did I went on a long screed about that about King and, you know, yeah. writing and the mental illness and everything like that and everything and and oh my gosh that i do have to mention as a little brief uh say like little interlude before uh we get into like the next part of relationships or whatever mm. is i found it hilarious when they had scott go to the signing the reading or whatever and it was a fucking rock star and shit like that like he gets out of the car and he's oh my like God, signing yeah. books and stuff like that and i was like okay maybe does that I'm still happen king but I mean, most writers, yeah, no. So that's totally yeah. a thing that probably happened to Stephen King. But yeah, not in most writers' reality, that would not yeah. happen if you give a reading. You're lucky if you have like 10
1: people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the only other people that's happened to is like J.K. Rowling and probably even like Stephanie Meyer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah like that upper. And
1: Rice, maybe? No, yeah. I don't know. I don't know not in
0: race, but you know it's just it's just that level you're just like yeah okay that is a certain level of author that five people have maybe oh yeah <laughs> in the world yeah you know that yeah that's just funny that's a lot of author so that amused me <laughs> yeah that, that amused me but okay so how do, okay so we talked about the father and Paul and, mm-hmm. and that and how we feel about that. And we talked about uh, the mental illness aspect of it. How do we feel about what did you think of, uh, you know, Lisi and her relationship with her sisters, especially as it unfolds more and more in the yeah. second half than it did in the first?
1: I we kind of come together. Yeah. Yeah. They are not splintered apart anymore they come they come together and that all kind of starts when lisey like tells amanda or not not amanda um darla. the other sister Darla. yeah darla. she tells darla like exactly what's been going on like real shit. like there's this other world and darla at first she's just like the fuck are you talking about and then Lisey's able to prove it to her and Darla is just like this is the craziest shit I have ever heard but all right, we'll roll with it and she just rolls with it and you know the fact that she does that I'm like you know okay that that shows how much she does love her sisters and how much she's willing to try any crazy scheme just to get amanda back from booyah moon and as the fact that Lisi was able to bring bring her back i think you know that made darla a big believer and then they all come together and it was a very um it felt a very uh like death death proof moment where all the women band together <laughs> yeah. and they're like we're going to kill this motherfucker and i absolutely loved the scene where they're standing on top of the mountain and they're just it's raining screaming like and, and i'm like yes we're going to fucking kill no. him <laughs> yeah and I, I just love how they all came together for that for each other they were supporting each other you know all serving a specific role and yeah i really you know i felt the second half really captured the relationship as it's supposed to be between all all of those sisters yeah
0: yeah Yeah, for sure for sure i think so too i think so too so and the end of the book okay so i will tell you a theory i had like at the end mm-hmm. at the end of the at the end of the book so the end of the book mm-hmm. kind of leaves it vague a bit kind of like the end of of the move, the miniseries and that the mm-hmm. end of the book is you know she still has dreams about booyah moon and stuff like that and like it's her mm-hmm. saying goodbye to scott's study and stuff and the end mm-hmm. of the mini-series was kind of like that too, where she's kind of um, uh, getting Scott's papers boxed up and sent over to the University of Maine, um, yeah. the Folger Library, which incidentally, that's where Stephen King went to college, his archive is at the Folger Library as well. <laughs> i'm just as yeah. of right now they're actually mm-hmm. um just a tidbit for anybody who doesn't know who's listening um uh tabitha and stephen king are revamping their house in bangor to be mm. his archive for his work and oh. uh writer retreat
1: writer retreat yeah at stephen oh King's hell house yeah hell yeah yeah <laughs> um they're planning to do
0: that over the next few years i guess but anyway
1: awesome. um yeah so it's kind of
0: another little tidbit that you know they're sending scott langdon stuff to the same place where stephen king's stuff is housed right now
1: that Yeah, you need
0: special like you need a letter from him to be able to go in there i think and
1: oh wow the stuff
0: yeah. yeah that's in there but anyway um yeah you know and so it kind of ends and she kind of has that you know Uh, that kind of thing and we get the sense that she's still kind of experiencing Booyah Moon and my Mm. little pet theory that I had when I read the book and it was kind of you know it didn't disillusion it with the miniseries that Stephen King wrote is that she'll eventually start writing herself Mm. I don't know that was just a little you know that was just a thing i thought might happen eventually interesting yeah yeah mostly because like after you know and in the miniseries they did it in a more like visual sense mm-hmm. that like once she said goodbye to scott she kind of sat there for a yeah. little bit like took his place looking out where he used to get inspiration and whatever mm-hmm. and stuff like that and she kind of did that for a while before she came back yeah. it wasn't like i'm saying goodbye then i'm gonna go it's almost like she was kind of taking that place yeah carrying on a little bit i don't know that was just a thought you know i don't think he's gonna do any more with it or anything yeah so it was just a little thought of like a dot that i thought things might go in the future that she'll start writing herself you know mm-hmm
1: but do you keep doing know. something with his estate or whatever but yeah she you know it's very rare I, I guess okay maybe not r- rare but at least in terms of like all the horror that I've watched or read to have essentially what is a happy ending in Lisey's story like having that kind of emotional closure that's rare mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would still classify this, you know, as horror and magical realism because of the hard emotions it takes you through and all of like the horrifying visuals, like especially the long boy. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, Whoa. I mean, yeah. yeah,
0: which which brings me to kind of another question, like what yeah. what does long boy represent? What what is I was- long boy?
1: <laughs> I was literally just about to ask that because I've been trying to wrap my brain around it. What what Longboy is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you, we have I mean, clearly this is not just like a Langdon curse because uh, there's a bunch of other people throughout history, generations, you know, that had that can go to this place and come and go Um I would think normally the people, and this is what I got, you know, like the, the people sitting by the water, like it's still a statues or in some cases, like practically almost statues, but they're still able to move. Like they're all dead. They're all dead and they're all waiting. They're hanging on because of somebody on the other side, you know, and that's why, you know, Scott hung on to help Lisi see through all of this stuff he hung on for two years and we see when we see him getting into the water we see him with the sheet over his face but it's like translucent we see him turning to white you know and he would have become like complete stone had he had probably stayed there um, any longer i I feel like I just went on a tangent and I totally forget. Oh, what the long boy represents. represents. Um, I don't know if Booyah Moon, if we think of it as like maybe some sort of purgatory. um, Yeah. You know, going into the water if you're dead, like that is you crossing over. Right. Uh, The long boy, like you're in a perpetual state of hell. I guess like you're and in both ways like your soul is gone but to two very different locations mm-hmm. and we know where Jim Dooley's soul went he is now a part of the creature that is the long boy but we saw what happened to his body like back in <laughs> yeah back back I on earth not it, up. honestly
0: yeah. I expected like he would just disappear like he would be there like yeah. and he would just be gone and she would just be like i don't know he shot the dude and i haven't seen him since he shot the cop and i don't yeah. know where he is haven't seen him you know etc and that would be the deal and she kind of did but like she yeah. had to get rid of the pieces of his body
1: and I'm Which like, I was you, like, oh, okay. you're a badass, hey okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was like, all right. I didn't expect like the pieces of the body to be there in the pool and shit.
1: I, I mean, mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, Jim Dooley, he he didn't have the power to go there. He wasn't supposed to be there, uh-huh. no matter what. So, yeah, so I don't know. I f- sorry, go. Well, I was just going to say, because that's a question, right? Yeah. Lizzie
0: was able to take Jim Dooley there. Yeah. However, so so let's kind of talk about that. I mean, Stephen King doesn't <laughs> always ex- you know, he kind of just, it is what he is and doesn't yeah. explain it all the time. So it's kind of up to you to figure out if there are rules of any kind or whether he just, you know, yeah. says these things and that's what it is. But Scott said that he tried and tried to bring his father there because that's what his father wanted after he killed him and he couldn't so like Mm -hmm. what's the difference right yeah like why was why was scott able to bring paul there to bury him but not his father why was Lizzie able to bring jim dooley across to be eaten by Lomboy, but then his body parts show up Mm -hmm. i don't know it's an interesting yeah he was
1: able to bring his brother and his brother was dead but he couldn't bring his dad and his dad was dead at least he could bring jim and got him killed there
0: right and then his body parts show up yeah in the real world so i don't know like what
1: does it does the long boy um is it different in the book compared to the miniseries
0: you know i don't remember it's been a mm-hmm. long time since i read the book mm-hmm. but i don't recall how like detailed it, the description of the long boy was
1: yeah so i i just pulled up um a cinema blend article from june 4th of this year from uh written by eric eisenberg uh it's Titled Lisi's Story, How Stephen King's Nightmarish Long Boy Differs from the Book in the Apple series premiere episode. So I'm like scrolling down right now, da-da-da-da-da. Um da-da-da. hmm let's see uh the brief glimpse we get at him in the first episode of lisey's story is proper is a properly freaky one but it's also hard not to notice that the miniseries version differs greatly from the one described in the novel a co- uh, in combination with the name and the repeated description of it as a modeled thing with the endless piebald side the book makes the reader conjure the image of an ever-long, multicolored, worm-like creature, right. a great high I river of meat. This, yes, yeah, I
0: remember this now.
1: But that's not really what Lisi sees. Uh, but that's yeah, like not really Lisi thinking. sees a flash of while dreaming in blood hunt. Um, blood. Okay, blood so is. this is just point pointing out that.
0: Yeah, it was more like a worm. It, like, it wasn't made of. Yeah. People. I seem to recall that now, yeah. So, like, yeah. So then that still brings us to the, you know, if we think of Booyah mm. Moon and the people there, and it's kind of representative of mental illness. Yeah. Like, Booyah Moon is a place you can, you go, you know, if you have mental illness. going into the metaphor, kind of. Yeah. What I feel like the book is about. So then, therefore... Long boy is what, you know, if you when can't come the mental, from it, if you don't yeah, deal with
1: your mental, mental illness. illness. I think the long boy is a physical representation of mental illness. And for a lot of people, like, they just get pulled into it and can't come back out. And that's what happens to everybody who becomes a part of the long boy. Who yeah. I think actually grows throughout the series, yeah, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he's catching on to a lot of people.
0: <laughs> right. And and, yeah. Yeah, and the <laughs> whole thing was they don't want to get caught. So, like these people who have mental illness or they're mm-hmm. dead, one or the other. So basically, Scott's, yeah.
1: uh,
0: at least he says at one point, they're not gone, which is how Paul and Scott and his father describe catatonia like being catatonic being gone or being Mm -hmm. bad which is basically like being homicidal being you know whatever and they're not dead right or dead like those are the three you know kind of things that they use to describe over there right so you think about these people who are dealing with these things they're either dead or They've, they've got mental illness of some kind. So they're in Booyah moon and they sit by this pool, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's healing. So you you figure it's like, you know, it actually really is kind of a good metaphor for mental illness. Now that I'm, now that I'm realizing what I'm about to say, I think, because When you have mental illness, as far as I understand it, you know, I've been depressed in my life and and had had anxiety, but not to the extent of like being medical. I mean, everyone will have kind of anxiety and bouts of depression. like, Mm -hmm. But those are much different than being clinically, you know, having general anxiety disorder or depression. Like it's different. Like everybody will have episodes of those things in their life a couple times, you know, or a few times. But But it's not the same thing as like, having it right yeah but i imagine you know and you know i would have to get people who have these things to but if you think about it it's a struggle right you're constantly a struggle and that's how scott describes writing too it's a struggle Mm -hmm. between you and the story and so going to booyah moon and being there is a struggle you're there you're looking at the water You're trying to heal yourself. You know, maybe you go in the water a few times and you're good to go. You get the water of Booyah Moon and you're good to go
1: and Mm -hmm. stuff like
0: that. But over time, it becomes harder and harder Yeah. as you're dealing and being worn down and stuff like that. It gets harder Mm -hmm. and harder and harder. Right.
1: I would say, you know, that's a great description as somebody, you know, who. Has clinical depression and anxiety disorder, and who takes medication for it? You know, it's um, like the boo, booyah moon. It is a very, it's a beautiful place, but also, like, you're the Long Boy is there there's a lot of wooded area. It's dark. There's like smoke and fog. And then when you finally do get to the water, everybody's just still a statues. They're staring out to the water. They're basically, you know, they're dead people who haven't crossed over yet. And if you make so much as a peep, they all turn and shush you. So it's not a very relaxing place, but it's the only place that you could go to um I kind of I kind of like it to I like going to cemeteries Mm -hmm. to write because it's like the place for me to where, like aside from renting a cabin high up in the mountains Mm -hmm. there's really nobody at a cemetery and if they are like nobody's really talking or they're not gonna bother you they're they're not they're not yeah, they're not going to bother you, right? right? Um and yeah, you're you're surrounded like literally by dead people, by by dead bodies and yet there's this sereneness to it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It is it's you know, it, it can sometimes be frightening to be left alone with your thoughts like that, but sometimes you just you know need to go get away from people so you can have a clearer mind and that's kind of what booyah moon is for me especially also as as a writer but also just kind of like you know the medication for me it's i'm i'm finally like oh this is what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed yeah. to be this like serene everyday outlook where I'm not constantly thinking like people hate me and they're talking shit behind my back and then I just like spiral into these anxiety driven like conspiracy theories which then feels the depression and it's like well if everybody's lying to me you know why why am I even here you know but among the dead you're not judged right you know exactly you don't have worry about it
0: (laughs) yeah so yeah i think you know if you look at if you look at the people that are around the pool as either people dealing with mental illness they're doubles like amanda and scott you know they go there and they're dealing with mental illness and they go to this place or dead people who are still like hanging on for whatever reason yeah um that long boy kind of represents and why they want people to be quiet because they don't want to draw long boy's attention Is kind of that succumbing to that, like succumbing to your mental illness, succumbing Mm -hmm. to like that pain, you know, just, you know, and it's a force of nature and there's nothing you can do about it except try not to draw attention to it, you know, try to be quiet, you know, try to.
1: Don't feed the demon.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Don't don't feed, don't feed the depression, Mm -hmm. don't
1: feed the anxiety,
0: don't, don't hold on to things if you're dead, you know yeah let go you know you know and stuff like that you know and don't don't draw attention to it don't feed it don't don't pay attention to that anxiety you know almost like yeah almost like long is kind of a physical manifestation of like depression anxiety suicidal yeah yeah. you know any of those things that people struggle with it's that physical manifestation so you you don't you don't give it power. You know, you, you know, you're trying to not let it mm-hmm. consume you. You're trying not to let yeah. it take over. You're trying to do the things you need to do, you know, take medication, have people on your corner, you know, things like that that keep you from being consumed by Lomboy.
1: Yeah. And I think on that, like, like following that exact line of thought, um, like in the very last episode where Lisey is just staring at long boy. She's got the special shovel by, by her side and she's just staring at him, you know, like facing down all of that. And it's not, it's not just her own feelings, you know, it's also Scott's and Amanda's and Jim Dooley's and she's just staring at it. But You know, she has finally kind of come to terms with her husband's passing. So she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, Longboy doesn't mean anything to her anymore. Yeah. You know, and that's why.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, she ultimately defeated Longboy or Longboy kind of didn't pay attention to her. Yeah. Out of love. Like that shovel Mm-hmm. was representation of how much she loved Scott because that's the shovel she used to to save his life to stop yeah. that guy from after he shot him yeah and stuff so it's a representation of that love
1: yeah that she, she didn't need to be acknowledged boy. for that yeah. she
0: let the professor take you know credit for and stuff like that but in the end it was her yeah. It was her love for Scott, her being an anchor for Scott, and her love for Amanda, and things like that. And in the face of that, there isn't anything Longboy can do.
1: No. Nope. And that's also why it was a perfect idea to feed Jim Dooley to the Longboy. Mm. Yes. That was satisfying. God, that was so <laughs> satisfying. But um God, the, Kudos the actor to the actor,
0: by the way. We're all right It's because the actor did a really, really
1: good job. Everybody in this miniseries did a phenomenal yeah. job. Like I can't, I can't find one glaring flaw with it. Yeah, like, Clive Owen
0: and Julianne Moore definitely had
1: that chemistry
0: yeah. as a married couple.
1: They yeah. definitely
0: had that.
1: Yeah, you know. And let me tell you when I got to the end of it, when he's in the water and she's saying goodbye and she's, and she's also like and yeah. she's remembering, but she's and then she sits down by the tree and she's reading the final story that up until that point we were like, Oh, it's it's a myth, it's this story that doesn't exist, but it's a metaphor for something. But no, it's an actual story but it's more information about his childhood that he left her in Abu Moon to read, oh my God, I did not know I could, so much water could come out of my eyes and (laughs) search. Oh Oh my God. But it was very cathartic to be able to cry like that.
0: Yeah. You know, and. Probably for her too. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of what allowed her to let, that that he, he was able to let go because he had told her everything he he no longer had any secret that he was carrying from her she knew all of him yeah and she knew him the best and so that is why he was able to finally let go and have peace and she was able to let go and have peace because they had Mm -hmm. that see now I'm tearing up like already I
1: know I'm I'm trying trying to not cry Uh, yeah because Uh. They
0: had that, you know, they had yeah. that kind of partnership that people crave, that people that's what people want, right? People, yeah. You you see movies and you read books and you and you read okay, well, I'll be I'll be fucking honest because this is our podcast. Fucking bullshit that you see in fucking Hollywood about yeah. what relationships should be like or in other books and shit yeah. like that, about you know being in lust with somebody or romantic Mm -hmm. gestures running after somebody in an airport, you know, I mean, what else can we come up with that bullshit? You know,
1: me, can we, can we just say twilight? Like
0: (laughs) that media has like told you, like, Mm -hmm. these are relationships. Right. And people may think they want that, Mm -hmm. but as someone who has been married for nine years, I can tell you, you do not want that. You want what Lisey and Scott have. Yeah. You want someone that you can trust implicitly. Yeah. That you know that no matter what, what problems you have, what mental illness you have, what what identity changes you go through, or how yeah. much you change in your life. Because you aren't just promising when you marry somebody, you're not just promising to love that person, who they are when you make that promise. No. You are, you are promising to love that person and all the people that they're going to become in the future.
1: Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. It's a big,
0: and that's what Lazy and Scott had. And I guarantee that that's what people want.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: what you want in a relationship. You want somebody that, you know, is in your corner, like Lazy
1: was for Scott yeah. and Scott was there for, was for Lazy. Lazy. Yeah. I'm not going to cry. Stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and,
0: and and so, yeah. So that part where he says, you know, that's how they're able to let go because they mm-hmm. knew that they had been there for each other as much as they possibly could have been. Yeah. And so Scott was able to let go. Yeah. And move on. It's just,
1: he, because all of these events, like Scott died two years prior, right? And we have a yeah. lot of flashbacks and 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 everything. And I will say, just from a writing perspective, like time is handled extremely well. Like mm-hmm. it's not confusing whatsoever. The flash the flashbacks happen at just the right moment. But take everything you just said and then add in the fact that Scott hung on. In Booyah Moon, like his soul, he's dead for two years Mm -hmm. to get Lisi through the worst of it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Fuck. Yeah. Like, I'm doing the hands. Yeah, (laughs) you're doing the Italian I'm doing, I'm doing my hands. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Yeah. Because he he knew
0: and he said and he had a feeling and. You know, he wanted to protect them, you know, and not just her, but also, you know, help Amanda Amanda if something like that happened again and stuff like that and make sure that she was going to be okay. Yeah. And that she was going to be safe before he moved on. Yeah, And, and, and yeah, you know, and, and yeah. So, you know, forget all the other stuff you see or read or whatever in media, you Mm -hmm. know, marriage is really all about that or should be. Yeah. You know, she supported him through all the writing books and all the bullshit that publishing throws out you, which we both know. Yeah. All of that, his mental illness, his abuse as a child, all of the bad things. Right. And then of course, you know, we don't see it as much because it's from Lazy's perspective but mm-hmm. you do get that he also did that for her in terms of like her relationship with her sisters and yeah. helping her with her, you know, he knew he could help her sister and help Lizzie's sister and he knew it was important to her. So he went and did that, Yeah, you know, and he knew that she had this relationship with her mom, you know, that they weren't you know happy that she married Scott and they didn't really approve and stuff like that. And, you yeah. know, so he supported her too in whatever way he could, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And like I said, that that's, that's what marriage is. That's what a relationship is or should be. And I hope none of you listening settle for anything less than that, than anyone who's yeah. who's not in your corner like that, that's willing yeah. to take you when you can't move from depression or when you're just paralyzed by anxiety or you know, if you have the need to cut yourself or whatever, that someone who's going to stand by you and know that that doesn't define you. That's not who you are. It's a part of who you are, but it isn't who you are. And they help you through that. And that's really, you know, and because if you know history of Stephen King, you know, he had drug addiction problems. Mm -hmm. He had, he had, he doesn't talk a lot about some of the childhood stuff, but you get the sense, you know, his father was an alcoholic and he abandoned Mm -hmm. him and stuff like that. So you can imagine that some of these same sorts of things probably came up in his own marriage and that's what he's writing from yeah you know and you know i mean that's that's real you know and that's what Stephen king writes and that's real and you know so um <laughs> ra- uh, you know try to let's let's sum up here what what was Lizzy's stories about you know what was what was it about? What were the things that really stood yeah. out, you know, to us in the last
1: couple of minutes? <sighs> now that we've
0: gone through this eight episode, two part I
1: podcast, I mean, I wish there was more, but then I also don't because it's perfect the way that it is. Um, I feel like if 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 we look at kind of like the fanatical characters in lisey's story and like you know we're talking about cole who was um the young man who shot scott and then jim dooley um these you know are two characters that have an, an incredible amount of pain inside in very different ways you know cole's manifested one way um Jim Dooley put all of his identity and all of his self-worth on being Scott, you know, Landon's biggest fan to the mm-hmm. point of beyond obsession. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, there are also people who are hurting like that, you know, to have such kind of a <sighs> Like Jim Dooley like he did what he did from a place of selfishness. Yeah. You know, it was it wasn't for the world needs to see these unpublished things. And it's like that is not your call to make, buddy. Yeah, you know.
0: I think it also comes from a yeah. place of, yeah, selfishness. Yeah. And then I think if you go a little bit deeper, like he was selfish because he wanted to read them, why because he's empty. Yeah. There's there's a piece there in Jim Dooley that is empty and mm-hmm. never got filled. And, you know, whether love, acceptance, understanding, whatever yeah. it happened to be that he saw in Scott Landing's work. When yeah. Scott Landon wasn't there anymore when he died, you know, that's like he didn't have that anymore. He was no longer yeah. going to have Scott Landon's book to look to, to fulfill the thing you know, that, that he was missing, you know, in his life, you know, whatever it was, acceptance, understanding, feeling like a kindred spirit, you know, someone understood him, whatever. He wasn't going to have that anymore. No. Yeah. Selfishness. So he needed to find what was left so he could fill that, you know, and of course, you know, as you know, know, if you try to fulfill things from emptiness inside you with outside things, you know, that's not a good thing. It's not going to end. No,
1: it does. You can't be looking to someone's
0: output of books or music or whatever for Mm -hmm. your identity or for your validation or for your acceptance or for whatever it is you're looking through that for, you know, um, in essence.
1: Yeah, I think Jim Dooley, he's like the most depressing part of Lisi's story, you know, and yeah, oh, God, the ending made me cry and cry and cry. But it, they were happy tears in, like, such a way that two people got to share that kind of bond. What a life experience to be able to say, like, you fully love somebody for who they are and you were loved in the same way back. Mm-hmm like that is so incredible amidst all of the fucking chaos yeah you, still, yeah. Won. you still won you, you still, still won you still came
0: out on top because how many yeah. people do that i'm thinking of the the uh the princess bride because oh my god (laughs) when he goes in there and he's like you guys were truly in love and therefore you could have been truly happy not one couple in a million has that chance no matter what the storybooks say and and yeah no it's in princess bride and it's chris sarandon saying it as prince humperdinck but it's right you know yeah how many have that you know how many do um you know i feel lucky because i feel like i do um, you know, and I just, you know, hope everyone else gets that same sort of, you know, to feel safe telling yeah. somebody no matter what, you know, um, or and how you change yeah. what you discover about yourself or any diagnosis you might have, whether mental or physical or yeah whatever, that that person would be there for you and and accept that and roll with it or or how you decide to change careers or Whatever, you know, how your goals change, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, Absolutely. So at the heart, I really think that it is, as you said, you know, it's about that relationship. It's about mm-hmm. the, the, the heart of that story, despite, as you said, all the chaos, all the supernatural stuff, all of that stuff. In the end, at the heart of Lizzie's story is about two people who love each other and support each other in a real solid mm-hmm. foundational irreplaceable way yeah and that's at the heart of it and the message is is that if you have that there's not anything that's going to you know you'll be able to get through fame you'll be able to get through mental illness you'll be able to get through faced on the long person, boy
1: <laughs> yeah even that
0: person passing on yeah even that person passing on, you'll be able to get through. Yeah. So.
1: I think. think Very deep. Okay.
0: Yeah. i myself for a second. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Um, So um, let us know what you guys thought. I mean, I want to know what y'all thought. Um, What did you think? I mean, what did you think about their relationships? What did you think about Longboy? Do you think our theory about mental illness and all this stuff is, is on spot. Did you have other additions? Uh, let us know. Um, let us it's our know. first two parter. Um, you know, I personally would recommend watching this mini series. It was, it was very good. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very, you know, deep feelings, but very, very good. So I definitely recommend yeah. it to watch.
1: Yeah. Um, it's on, uh, TV. Apple TV plus, but you can get, um, uh, a seven day free trial. Um, and after that, I want to say, what it's like this similar cost.
0: $4.99.
1: $4.99. So it costs less than HBO Max or Netflix Netflix. and Hulu, you know, and there aren't any ads or anything. Um, this, (laughs) I wasn't an Apple TV Plus subscriber before this, but now I am because I guess Apple, this is an Apple TV original, knocked it out of the fucking park, um, but yeah, if you're not sure, sign up for that seven free, you know, that seven day free trial. If watch it.
0: Enough, watch one. Watch it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, ugh, especially the second half. You'll binge those so quick. I promise you.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what are we doing
1: next time? Next time. We are actually going to be moving to some short stories. Short? Um, So... Uh, we're going to be talking about two stories uh, Mimosa versus the Su- Suquiant and 10 Steps to a Whole New You by Tanya. Lybert, um who is a good friend of mine. And we used to um, both be editors at the same sci-fi and fantasy mag. Um, she's been a horror writer for years. Uh, we also used to play a lot of Overwatch together. Um, so, Danny, I'm so excited for you to meet her since you're both horror writers and everything else. Um, yeah, we will be... Talking about those two stories next time with Tanya on the show, um, uh, Mimosa versus the suquiant. Sou- <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: know. I, I'm have to ask her.
1: <laughs> yeah, she'll tell us if we're saying it right or not. <laughs> so um, you can find that story in American. Uh, monsters 2 um and then 10 steps to a whole new you on fantasy magazine that's fantasy hyphen magazine.com um until then give us a follow we are on twitter at the box underscore podcast um we're still on slasher even though we haven't checked that in in a hot minute i don't know if we're gonna do anything with yeah, like it. Still, I'll, I'll be honest that's a little hard it's a
0: little slow yeah to get on there and do stuff like I'm hoping it just it runs now because it seems like it would be a good thing but that's why I haven't
1: yeah the app runs there. way too slow it's too it's too frustrating but we're on there still right now at tell us what's in the box um you can listen to well this episode, if you already are, you already know where you're listening to it, but you can listen to all of our past episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Um, yeah, that is yeah. it. Leave us comments. Let us know what you thought of Lisi's story. and it's Tag Stephen King. Tag Stephen King. The King Stephen. Uh, <laughs> anyways, until next time, y'all. Remember. Shake the box box. before you open it.